Kids today will never know about that with your playlists and your unlimited music. You'll never know those. I put so much thought into those mixes, Taylor. I had, and they were very specific names. Like listening, like, like spring break 07, driving down this road, the sun is shining, blah, blah, blah. Like very specific. And, you know, just the mood that I captured, I put a lot of thought into it. And sometimes I'll listen to them now and I'm like, that was a good mix. Nice. There you go. It's better than what I did, which is like, here's 10 Blink-182 songs, one by Sum 41 and one Green Day. <laughs> and that's my teenage years. I guess we should formally kick this thing off. All right. That sounds great. All right. So I'm here with Jessica. Thank you so much for joining. Glad to be here, Taylor. Thanks for having me. You were my first choice of guest for the first episode, so I'm super happy that you agreed to do this. We picked out Huckleberry Finn, which is a good choice. It's an American classic, so I think it's going to be a, a good discussion. And it was very enjoyable to read. That's good, yeah. It, it's always crazy to read a book that you've never read before because it could be a dud or it could be the best book you've ever read, and you kind of just have to go with it either way. So you're stuck with a podcast because you can't put the book down and not finish it. Like You're obligated to finish this book. Right, and um, honestly, I was trying to remember if I had read the book before, and I, I couldn't remember I because I knew the outline, and I didn't know if I if I knew that just because the book is so popular or because I had read it as a child. Hmm. Have you read uh, Tom Sawyer? Um, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I, I, or something. Yeah, if I did, I was a kid when I read it. Um, I know that he tricked his friends into paying him to paint the fence. And I don't know if I know that because I read it or because it's a popular story, but I knew of the character and, and, you know, he was kind of like a charismatic salesman type of a, a guy, I guess. Um, yeah. It's a a classic there. story. The getting, the, yeah. getting the friends to paint the fence. I guess it's just so much fun. It doesn't work. Very I was well. like, how do I do this? How do I get money for people to do my chores? Taking notes on top like, I don't think I could ever trick someone into doing my stuff for me. <laughs> so I didn't read Tom Sawyer in high school or anything like that, but I did read it okay. here pretty recently. And okay. it was good. I, I'm so basically, I'm just trying to really have one classic going at any given time. And eventually I'll work my way through most of the ones I've heard of before. And so I read yeah. Tom Sawyer and yeah, I liked it. I mean, this, the things that I liked about this book were also present in that one. And that Mark Twain is just very good about capturing like the essence of childhood. It's just, you're making lifelong promises without knowing what you're doing and you're running around getting into trouble and like disobeying your parents and like sneaking out at night. I feel like it, they're very fun books in that way. And it was, it reminded me of being a child. I completely agree with you. They're just the childhood logic in, in Huck Finn. Um, it was almost humorous at parts when they were talking, when they formed their, uh, when they formed their gang yeah. and they were talking about kidnapping people and, and what are they going to do? And they're like, well, we got to ransom them. And no one knew what ransom meant. And they thought it meant you just ransom someone to death. I <laughs> yeah. laughed out loud quite a few times. Now, did, did you think that Tom Sawyer was like Huck Finn um, as far as, you know, the depth of the book? Or was it a little bit more carefree? That's a good question. I think Huck Finn had way more of a message to it than Tom Sawyer. Okay. I was yeah I was wondering that I think it's interesting that those two books are so intertwined like Huck Finn appears in Tom Sawyer too I believe right yep. 
And then yeah. Tom Sawyer is also in Huck Finn. So, you know, they're kind of companion books in that, in that sense. Yes, like in the same universe. When I read Tom Sawyer, though, Huck Finn was my least favorite character in the book. Really? Yeah, like Tom is running around, he's getting in trouble and all that good stuff. And then Huck Finn shows up, like, holding a dead cat. And um, he's homeless and all these things. And as I was reading, I was like, this is the person who I never want my nephews to hang out with. <laughs> there, yeah, the dead animals <laughs> in Huck Finn. I, I, I didn't like that either. I guess there weren't many, but when uh, Huck fakes his own death, you know, and he yeah. kills him. Yeah, right. Let, let's not talk about this. Never mind. Okay. It's very graphic, though. It is. It is. It's very graphic. I, I was like, oh god, <laughs> don't say that. Um, yeah, also, with the uh, superstitions. The superstitions, yeah, that's... all the time. And they were in Tom Sawyer too. Yeah, it's a very prominent theme in both of them. I was wondering about the superstitions. So Jim's extremely superstitious, and Huck is too. Um. When he, you know, and he'll talk, he t- he's, he was talking about religion in the beginning of the book. And then he was immediately superstitious. It was kind of intertwined in his head, I thought. That's a good point. I think that's just a childhood thing, though. You're like not clear what you're supposed to believe or what is, quote unquote, like proper religion. So there's really no difference between like going to church and like saying Bloody Mary, Mary in the mirror three times in the bathroom. I feel like as a, as a kid, there's the same. Yes. Uh, well, I think for with Huck, maybe it is the the childish thing, but you know, Jim Jim's very superstitious too, and he's an adult. I'm not sure it it is throughout the book, but I didn't ever wrap my head around like the, you know, why it was there or the point of it. Yeah, um, I don't know that I caught my arms around a point either. I think it's just part of the themes, and in Tom's story, there's a lot of superstitions, and they tend to be really funny. Um, that's probably not better in that regard is more entertaining yeah i think that one thing that people don't talk about with huck finn is just how funny the book is i laughed out loud quite a few times reading it yeah it's pretty funny it's entertaining it, it's very entertaining mark twain's an excellent storyteller and huck finn as a character is an excellent storyteller too i wonder if he like kind of channeled some of himself in there yeah that's true did you listen to this one or read it Okay, so I both, I listened to the entire audiobook on Audible. It was narrated by Elijah Wood, and he did a wonderful job narrating. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but I also bought the physical hard copy because I wanted to, you know, read it and, you know, read the footnotes and, and get some extra information on it. Um, and so I physically read, I didn't read the whole thing through. I read the introduction and the beginning of it, and then there were some passages I wanted to kind of revisit. And so, you know, I I went through the book that way. Um, And I wanted to see how the words were formed because, you know, the language in that, the language in Huck Finn is not regular language that people use. It's uh, what do they, they call it Americanese. I think where it's, you know, a lot of slang and there's different accents and stuff. And I was curious, like how did Mark Twain actually physically write this? And he did a really great job with that. Yeah, that's, I, I listened to it, and you could definitely, I, my narrator was a guy named Thomas Becker, who I'm not familiar with besides this. He did a good job, like, it, it was a good production. You never enjoy someone who's reading a book in just monotone, so I, I definitely enjoyed it. 
But I think that listening to this book is a different experience than actually reading it. Yes, I agree with you. You miss some of like Mark Twain's real skill as a writer and author if you're just listening to what's being said instead of like seeing how the sentences are formed. Because same thing, I went back and checked some of my notes against what was actually in the chapters. And yeah, it's just, it's not your normal book. Yeah, he's a very skilled writer. I have a lot of respect for him. Did you know Mark Twain, I was like doing some research on him last night. He was actually one of the first stand-up comedians. I've heard that that fact somewhere. I don't remember where, but. I was like, Mark Twain, like, I was like, this guy's really funny. Like, this is not, so, you know, it, it, the book is famous for other reasons. And so people don't talk about the humor, but he, I was like, man, this is really enjoyable to read. Like, he's really funny. Like, and I was doing some research and he was once, he was one funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, it was interesting for, for a number of reasons. I think he was born and died in the same year that Halley's Comet visited for both of those. Really? So he was born the same year it, it showed up and then I guess 74 years or whatever. He died that same year. That's crazy. Well, there's some superstition for you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> he took 10 years to write this book. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think whatever he did, like he did very intentionally. He put a lot of thought into it. Hmm. It, which is funny because it, it comes off so spontaneously. It reads like someone's just sort of telling the story that happened and not in a necessarily very educated way, but very ordinary, very down to earth language. So take that you did like the book. And also I see that you've, I think you've prepared for this more than I have. I like listened to the book once and took some notes down <laughs> doing Google searches on who was the first standup comic. That's awesome. I, well, I don't know. I just passively like listen to stuff about Huck, Huck Finn. You know, I've never done a podcast before. So I was like, I wonder what other people talk about. And so, you know, I was looking it up and uh, there's, there's not a lot of, um, I, I couldn't find many great podcasts about Huck Finn, to be honest. So I'm glad you chose it. Yeah, it was a discussion that we had and I think we landed on the right one. I'm, I'm very glad. So, yeah. okay. So what were your first thoughts about it? Like when you first started reading it, you're like five minutes in, you know, were you, well, I guess you've already read Tom Sawyer. So you kind of knew what you were getting into, but were you surprised by anything or yeah. did it just start flowing naturally for you? It's a good question. It very much is a continuation of Tom Sawyer. Okay. It's an interesting approach to tell story, to tell the story from Mark Twain's part, because it, picks off almost exactly where Tom Sawyer ends. Like there's an, there's a cave and they got all this money and it's a, a big, uh, it's own whole big adventure. <clears throat> and so the first part of this book okay. is really just picking up those, that narrative thread and then tying up the loose ends. Like he answers the question of what happens to the money and what the kids are doing. And that's when we talk about like forming a gang and <laughs> trying, trying to ransom people, whatever that means. And so, <laughs> you know, ransom them to that. yeah having that <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> having that context i think was very helpful and you're just sort of jumping into a world that you already know okay yeah so i didn't read tom sawyer first and so i was kind of wondering like should i have read you know am i going to be able to appreciate the book in the same way not having read tom sawyer uh but i think you can still read it and get the same out of it without reading tom sawyer first because Huck Finn does do a little recap of like, here's what happened with the money, like you said. So um, he kind of gives you, I think, all the information you need to know 
in order to read the story unless I don't know unless I'm missing something did you notice anything where you're like yeah you really do need to read Tom Sawyer first or do you think it's a no I think you have a good point it can go independently it's I feel like the um, the experience can go both ways so where you read if you read Tom Sawyer and then Huck Finn you have that experience of Tom Sawyer showing up and you're like hey is that Tom Sawyer like yeah it is and it's kind of a cool plot twist but if you read Huck Finn first and then you double back to Tom Sawyer you'll have the same similar experience where you're just following Tom along in the story. And it's like, Hey, there's Huck. Man, I know that guy. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool in that way. Not many books. I don't think you could flip back and forth and really not lose anything. Yeah. I think he did a great job. So not having read Tom Sawyer first, my first impression was how old is this kid? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is he doing? Cause he's sitting at the kitchen table asking, uh, asking his, what's her face the widow if he can smoke a cigarette like what they just said he's a boy and he's trying to smoke at the kitchen table what is he doing how old is this that's what i'm telling you this is the kid i don't want my nephews hanging out with he's like 12 years old (laughs) need a cigarette yeah he really was a a bad apple you know in the eyes of of conventional society which is interesting well not to leave this topic first he's a kid and then he's like, well, I'm just going to float down the Mississippi. And that's, that seems fine. There's no consequences to this decision. So one thing I noticed about Huck Finn is this guy is just, his whole life is just a huge improv. Yeah. He just flies by the seat of his pants, you know, and that's just how he rolls. And there are certain things about him that I really identify with, but then that is something I definitely don't <laughs> as an accountant. I was like, what, what are you doing? You're just leaving? Like, but, um, I don't know. I, I do understand. Like it, at first I, I think, you know, like, Oh, you're leaving. Like he, he goes out the window, but you kind of understand why he's doing it. And then when he leaves his dad's house, I was cheering for him to leave and get out. Right. Like, so, you know, that part, I think his, his just skill, it, it, it being like an improvisational person and flying by the seat of his pants really just, helps him like he needs that and I don't know if he developed it out of a need or it just is lucky that he had it but um that's something that is just prevalent throughout the book and you get to see you know the ups and downs of it and when things go wrong when they go right you know he he still just moves on to the next thing and moves on to the next thing he doesn't dwell on it uh yeah very interesting as a person or as a character I guess yeah I think that is one of the things that stood out to me about him or about the book capturing like the essence of childhood is kids, their brains aren't fully developed like that. So some kids are definitely more thoughtful and reflective and, you know, that's great, but that's what reminded me of childhood is it's just a series of events and you don't really connect the dots. Like you're not carrying the baggage from your past because it's all new things. And so you just, you go to school and then you have a bad day, but then you get home from school and you have a great day. And um, yeah, that's what this reminded me of. Yeah, a lot, it was very much in the present moment. Right, right. He's not dwelling on, you know, he had a very traumatic experience with his dad, but that doesn't really inform the rest of his journey down the Mississippi River necessarily. Yeah, he doesn't think about it. And he does have very adult thoughts yeah. that are kind of depressing maybe. Like when, uh, before before Tom came to his window in the beginning, when he's, you know, feeling down, very, I, I, I felt like this passage was like really eloquent, but it was still 
spoken in like very common language when he was talking about uh what is it he's like I felt so lonesome I I wish I was dead the owl was hooing about someone that was dead the dog was crying about someone that was gonna die Mm -hmm. you know just like how is how he was like feeling a negative emotion he was thinking about it he was processing it his whole interpretation of the world then became that negative thing and I was like for just a child that's a very deep dark observation and very yeah it was a lot deeper than most people write about children but you know kids still feel emotions so it was kind of cool to to read that that he had written about Huck Finn in that way and just like immediately seeing that he's he's capable and cognizant of you know having these very honest thoughts about the world around him and 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 writing about them I was like whoa is this a kid (laughs) is it like (laughs) um it's like you know, and then, 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 then they go to form the gang, and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like "Yeah, it's like Mark Twain yeah. gives credits the gives kids the credit they deserve. Like kids are still small; they're yes. human beings, even though they're small human beings, and like their experiences are real, and they do they are meaningful. So sometimes I'll like be hanging out with my nephews, and I'll kind of brush off their their bad day or their problems or whatever. Like he got shot in Fortnite. Like, okay, the world's not ending, but to him, that's a that's a big experience. His feelings are valid." I think Mark Twain does a good job of, of calling that out and taking it seriously. Yeah. And how excited were you when Tom Sawyer came to the window? Like, yeah. I was like, it's Tom. And I didn't even read Tom Sawyer. Like, I was like, there he is. His buddy's here. You know, like, you know, he's sitting there feeling all lonesome and depressed. And there, there goes his friend just showing up at his window and helping him get out for some fun. That's right. And then Tom Sawyer. Goes there. I mean, that's a good friend right good. there. We all need like, a Tom Sawyer. <laughs> we all need a Tom Sawyer. That's true. Uh, Going back to the Huck Finn, it's notably mature. I think Mark Twain went out of his way to develop Huck Finn as a maybe moral or having a conscience. Like that happened three or four or five times throughout the book where he gets into these kind of ethical dilemmas and he goes through this whole series of reflections of like, here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I think is right. Here's what I'm thinking is wrong. Here's the action I'm going to take. And so it's interesting how he develops that throughout the book. I I agree. I loved seeing that develop because his ethical dilemmas at the beginning of the book versus the end of the book, they change and they grow. Like at the beginning, you know, what is right and wrong very much is dictated by, you know, his environment and what he's been told he's supposed to believe and he's supposed to feel and versus what he thinks is right. And he thinks that he's a bad apple for not wanting to turn Jim yeah. in and, and stuff like that. And then you know, he went from not wanting to turn him in to actively trying to free him, you know, and, and I thought that was interesting that he, I, I felt like he grew in that area. Like it, the situation presented itself at the right time. And I feel like if it, if it happened earlier in the book, he may not have done the bond that was formed, the freedom that they felt together, you know, and just going through the circumstances throughout the book you know, it kind of changed him and his beliefs and solidified them a little bit in my, in my view, because it felt like in the beginning, he really had no idea. And then he kind of became more solid as it went on. I, I thought. Yeah. There's definitely some character development going on there as he goes through like his ethical dilemmas get the, the nature changes, but I think they're all leading towards that very last one where he's like, should I go free Jim? And in his mind, because of the, 
his upbringing, he thinks that going to help free Jim is the unethical thing to do because he's hurting, I forget whoever, you know, the owner was that uh, Jim had run away from. And so he makes this choice as a character, like I'm doing the wrong thing here. I'm probably going to go to hell for this, but hang it all. I'm just going to go help Jim anyways, and I'll let the consequences happen. So he makes a very moral decision that he thinks is immoral. And so, yeah, there is this uh, notion that he, he's developing an independence. Yeah. Oh, I, I read something I thought was really interesting. So when Tom short, when Tom Sawyer showed up again towards the end of the book, spoiler yeah, right. alert. Um, <laughs> so Tom short, Tom Sawyer shows up towards the end and they are going to free Jim. I got really almost just like, I, I didn't like Tom Sawyer. I was like, what is he doing? He's taking too long. Like Jim's going to get caught. Like, why is he making them jump through all these hoops? They need to just do it. Like, come on, get it over with. You know, I was like, quit, quit poking around, buddy. You know, and I, I was like, I don't, I don't like this guy. Like, and I didn't like it. And then I, I read something. They called it Tom Sawyerism. And it, it was supposed to represent like the legal system, I guess, and how long it takes to, to actually put something into action um, and make it happen. Uh, which, which one came first? The Tom Sawyer, the character, and then that kind of describes the legal system? Or was the legal system already this like onerous, impossible thing to get through? And then Tom Sawyer just kind of represents that. I think the second one. Gotcha. Yeah, I think he was using just Tom Sawyer saying, oh, now we got to do this. Now we got to do this. And we're going to do this. And now we're going to we're going to dig this hole. Now you have to write this diary. Now you have to do this. Like, now we're going to put snakes in your bed. Uh, yeah, you have to sleep with a rattlesnake before we can free you. You know, just making making Jim do all these crazy things. I was like, come on, man. Like, And so I guess something that Tom, or Mark Twain did that intentionally to show like, ending slavery is not something that's fast and easy there's all these just silly things that people make you do i'm glad that you told me that because i'd already made a note i hated the ending of the book this was the most i, I enjoyed everything up until that but then when they're <laughs> going to fr- free jim like at first it's kind of funny like oh haha tom sawyer is making them jump through hoops to get out of prison when he could just he like breaks out at one point and they make him no jim you have to go back like we didn't do it right yeah they did i i was like come on i was so impatient about it i was well i thought i was being impatient but then i was like no the guy i guess this is, he did this on purpose he, he like, did but yeah i didn't know that at the time so i'm like the end was really annoying and then after all this stuff it turns out that it never mattered he was already free all of the problems have gone away magically and then the book just oh that's it now but makes sense now. gotcha <laughs> see i've learned something new how nice is that that was, yeah, it's always nice to learn something new. I, I like the term Tom Sawyerism. I'm going to think about that every time I watch a bill try to get past. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Tom Sawyerism has a, has a place in today's world for sure. Definitely. Does. Would you recommend this book to somebody else? And if so, how would you do that? Okay. I wouldn't recommend it to a young person like a child, I would recommend it to fr- like friends or family because of, you know, it's, it's a controversial book. So I would, I think it's up to parents probably to decide if they want their child to read it. But I think it is an American classic. And I think there's a lot to learn from it on, on the surface. It just seems like a book, but this one I finished and I thought about it quite a bit after I finished reading it like Mm -hmm. I kept my mind kept going back to it and thinking about different 
different things in the book and different aspects of the book. And I, I kind of, I would revisit a passage and get something new from it. And so I would recommend it, you know, number one, just because it's a classic, it's good to know the classics. But uh, number two, I think it's a, a good book to um, encourage conversation with people. It covers a lot of different topics and uh, it's good to talk about. It's, I talked about it with some of my friends and family and they all had different opinions. And so it was uh, interesting to, to hear all of that, uh, you know, and, and to have some, some good conversations. So I don't know. I think it's a, I, I would recommend this book. Yeah. I, I kind of landed in the same place. At first I said yes, but then quickly jumped back to like qualified yes. It's, yeah, it's a qualified yes. <laughs> heavily qualified yes. I mean, it's a, it is a classic and it is very well written, all things considered. But thinking from the perspective of like my nephews, if I was telling them about this, this book, that is right in their age range. It's, you'd have to have a conversation of like, some of these words are not okay. It's useful to know this perspective and it's good to have an understanding of what the times were like but you have to be mature about it and you have to be aware of what the shortcomings are. You can't just like, you know, advertise that this book is perfect and all of it's and how it's written. Like there has to be another conversation tacked on to that. But with that in mind, I yeah, you say, can't just recommend it and leave. You have to recommend it and have a conversation with it. And also I would kind of warn someone maybe before they start reading it, I, you're going to get offended very quickly. <laughs> I actually meant to ask you, but I forgot. Did, were you aware of, of this shortcoming before you started reading it um okay so by shortcoming i'm assuming yeah, i mean the word. Word, yep we're working our way to that one. okay <laughs> yeah so i after i saw it then i remembered hearing something about the book having it in it somewhere in, in my mind from a child my childhood but i definitely wasn't expecting it hit me like a bucket of cold water on my face i was like what <laughs> wait what <laughs> What did I, did that just happen? And then it kept happening a lot. Yeah, for those who don't know, Huck Finn has a bit of controversy around it. It uses the N-word uh, a couple of times. I looked it up and it's 219. And so when we were talking about what book we wanted to pick, I was already well into Huck Finn and so I knew what was going on. And at first I was like, ah, should this really be the first choice of a podcast? But I think ultimately, yeah, because it's an important conversation to have. And so it's not like you should just avoid difficult conversations. I don't agree with that at all. Secondly, I think talking about Huck Finn allows me to set the tone for what I'm, I'm hoping the podcast will be about in general. Like, I'm not trying to be politically correct, and I'm not trying to, to not be politically correct. Like, I'm a work in progress, just like every other human being. So I've got opinions right now, but as I live and get new experiences, I think those opinions will change. And so I'm not necessarily trying to, to be right and say, this is how I think things should be. More so just here's what I think right now and here's the experiences I'm going through. And so not trying to stand on my high horse about knowing all the answers, especially for topics like this. I mean, this is about a, as thorny of an issue as you're going to get coming into a book. So, And if there were a right answer, people wouldn't be arguing about it so much. True. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I noticed uh, is the book was controversial almost immediately. So at first I was thinking like, okay, nowadays, like the reason it gets banned is because nowadays this is unacceptable. But the first time it was banned was a year after it was published. Wow. 
So I think that Mark Twain intended for it to be a bit of a shocker. He knew what he was getting into when he published this, I, I, I think. And it's terrible now. I think that maybe for some people it was terrible. Um, but I think he was trying to paint a picture of just what a brutal world that was that Huck Finn was living in, which he definitely succeeded in that area. And he brought to light, you know, some important issues that people were not talking about. To that end, he was successful. Yeah, I think so. That's The message of the book doesn't get across. The message that he intended doesn't get across unless he did put it in that controversial category in that way. When I was, I'm trying to think of how far along in the book I was. I was like maybe 25% of the way through the book um, when you had told me about the censored version. And because, you know, I was struggling reading this. And um, you said that they had replaced replaced it with the word slave. It still wasn't easy in that sense either. It's just like calling someone by their place in society, you know, like still felt uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't know how I feel about that. Honestly, what do you think about the sanitized version? I think this conversation is a tough one to have in the first place. Like there's no good way to talk about the book saying the N word that many times. There's not going to be a perfect one size fits all answer. And like the conversation has to have nuance to it. But when I was thinking about my thoughts and how I wanted to articulate them, I landed here. This word is definitely a hurtful word, but as a person, I don't have those experiences to understand why it's hurtful. Like I've learned that in school and and from the news and these kinds of things, like I know what it means, but I think my experience is, is just different. And so in that regard, I have to defer towards other groups who are offended by this word. Like I won't pretend that I know what's right because I don't think I do. Um, So I think that in that conversation, it doesn't make sense for me to rigidly say like, oh, this is the book as it's written and this is holy and we can't change that. Like that's not a fair position to take because I don't have, like I'm not the injured party. I think possible options are like having a a disclaimer at the front of the book where it says, here's this word, here's the history behind it and why it's hurtful. There's that that very controversial changing the word, but again, I don't think that's a, a one size fits all answer. You know, should it be read in school? I don't have the answer to that. I would lean away from no, just because like if that element of subtlety is missing, then I think the the environment's wrong and it's too hard to control for that in the school environment. But I think all these options have to be I on mean, the table. If, there yeah. are, if they read books that have other curse words in them, then I think that they should keep the book as is. But if they have a censored reading list, then maybe the sanitized version all the only conclusion I came to, I was thinking about it a lot, um, is that if they do replace it with a version that changes the word to slave throughout the book, that would be okay if it were an option, but still make the regular version available. I don't think they should strip the regular version forever. Like, I think that should always be available to whoever wants to read it, you know, and I, I don't. The idea of sanitizing it feels like we're saying that we weren't as bad as we were or something. Like, it's a very uncomfortable look in the mirror of, you know, as a nation where we were. 
and sometimes still are. And, you know, people don't like that. And so I, I don't know, I, I don't think it's wise to pretend that things didn't happen. Um, where people, you know, weren't the way they were. It's, it, to me, it was, it, it's, it was very difficult to read. But it was educational to kind of look at like, okay, this is what life was like back then and where we were and it adds some context to, you know, different situations that are are going on now. So you can make better sense of it and know like kind of what direction we were like where we were and, and where we're going and why, like, you know, hiding it. I don't, I don't know, it, it, but it, it's very uncomfortable to read either way. Yeah. yeah as, as he intended. So, but I think for me, the whole thing about the school discussion is, schools the the program is largely put out by the government i mean it's a public school system and so from a political perspective i would think that by saying this book should be read that is the government kind of taking a stance and i would think that there's better ways to get this like whatever lesson you're trying to teach by having this book read there's better ways to get that lesson across and so I wouldn't want this the government to insist like, oh, no, you have to read this one because this will teach you the specific way. Like there's better ways to have the discussion than to kind of have this like onslaught of derogatory term used over and over and over and over. I'm not a fan of the government saying you have to read this or you can't read this. Either either one, I think, is. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it should be illegal or anything like that. I'm just talking about like how we're educating our young people. If it is talked about, it needs to be done in yep. the right way. Um, and it needs to be read in in a way that's a safe environment for the students and, you know, where there's a very thoughtful discussion going on and, and, and very carefully. Yeah. I, I don't know. As far as, as far as this book and children, it's, that's too tricky <laughs> for me to make a, a blanket yeah. statement. I don't know. It, it, and I, I don't have any experience with educating children. So I yeah, I think we've successfully solved none of the world's problems. <laughs> I, oh, what else? I was going to think there was something else I noticed too, that I wanted to say just because I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. So the Mississippi river was a part of my hmm. childhood, definitely not in the same way as Huck Finn, but I felt like a sense of nostalgia, like seeing the Mississippi and like reading about it. But my experience with the Mississippi river was more of like, it was a border or a boundary between St. Louis and East St. Louis. You know, you don't want to like accidentally get on the bridge and like, yeah go into the bad area of town or, of town or anything like that. Uh, whereas in the book, it was like a symbol of freedom. Hmm. And like anytime Huck was feeling, you know, stifled or, you know, like society was too much, you know, he had to follow all these rules. He hated it. He had to, and he was always lying just to keep the peace. Um, because he couldn't really be himself. And like the only time he could be himself was on the river with Jim. That's and a good point. It became this like beautiful place. And uh, I really liked that about the river. I just thought like, you know, I'm not going to look at the Mississippi River the same anymore after reading this book. Yeah, I think that's why the book got its status as a classic is it, it captures what life was like for the, like the Mississippi is a big part of our country's history and has had a huge impact on the development of the whole country, not just in those areas. And so That's by true, memorial yeah. by memorializing the Mississippi River in this story, I think 
that's why it's kind of captured the interest for so long. It's not only is it very well written and all that good stuff, but like it, it captures a huge chunk of our nation's history. Um, and I don't think you, we've been talking for, I don't know how long now, but we haven't even ca- done justice to capture all the stories that are told of all the little towns that he encounters and all the nuances and all the different backstories that are going on in all these stories. Like Huck Finn, I think is about 10 stories in one, but there's just a lot going yeah. on. There really was. It, it kept my interest the whole time, except I think towards the end when Tom Sawyer was driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I just kept going because I wanted it to be, I was like, bridge it, bridge it, you know, so I still kept going because of that, but it, it, it moved along really yeah. well. So that's good stuff. I, I think we can call it there, but thank you for being on. Thanks for putting all the time and energy into this. And you're just an amazing first guest. So thanks for helping us kick off right away. <laughs> oh, well-